Build a Coach, Episode 9, Dreams to Nightmares to Heaven. Let's go. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Builder Coach. I help you, the property owner, manage the chaos of a renovation or remodeling project so that you don't lose money, experience a mental breakdown, or become victim to a failed project. The Build It Coach is specifically designed to empower the non-construction professional. I'm your host, Dale R. Scriven, project management and design build professional. Welcome to today's episode where we interview Chris Jackson. Chris is a teacher who embarked on the dream of acquiring a new house. His father pushed, nudged, and inspired him to purchase this house. Well, Chris followed his advice, but the house he purchased needed some work. Chris, being the leader that he is, jumped in with both feet, but he didn't necessarily have a plan. Unfortunately, the water was murky and a couple of costly mistakes and surprises hit Chris's bank account. Chris made it through the journey alive, but he received a few battle scars. His story will allow us not to repeat the same mistakes. Chris will tell us about his voyage from going from hopeful, hopeful dreams to real nightmare to home heaven. His interview inspired the following quote, failure is a detour, not a dead end street. That's by Zig Ziglar, entrepreneur and life coach. All right. Sometimes we just have to march through and get it done. It might cost us some money. We don't want that to happen, but we got to march, march through and get it done. Chris never stopped. He could have foreclosed, threw in the towel, claimed bankruptcy, but he didn't. I definitely applaud him for getting through this journey and actually taking the episode, or I should say the interview, in order to educate us all. That being said, let's dig into the interview with Chris Jackson, hopeful dreams to real nightmares to home heaven. Welcome, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Build It Coach. Today, we have a special guest. Um, very fortunate to speak with him because he definitely went through some hardships, some trials and tribulations um, for a project that he did in Washington, D.C. Um, so everyone out there in Build It Coach land, um, want to introduce you to Mr. Chris Jackson. Peace, peace, everybody. Yes, thank and you. How you doing, brother Dale? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. Thanks, thanks for joining joining us. Um, first and foremost, I want to let everybody know that um, Chris is a teacher, and um, I like to say that because a lot of times when someone says, "Hey, they're in the military, they're a police officer, what what have you," I do think that teachers get left out, um, and you, you know, it's almost customary when we say somebody in the we see someone in the military, we say, "Thank you for your service." Well, I do want to say that teachers are, you know, some of our unsung heroes. So first and foremost, I want to say, Chris, thank you for your service. Um, you know, definitely bringing up those who are going to be our future leaders. Um, so I want to say thank you. And um, where is it that you um, teach, Chris? Oh, well, firstly, uh, I appreciate that, brother. I teach at Winston Churchill High School. It's um, located in Potomac, Maryland. Okay. Oh, fan, fantastic. What subject do you teach? I'm teaching uh, math. Um, currently, I'm teaching uh, geometry and pre-calculus. Oh, okay. Oh, cool, cool, mm -hmm. cool. 
That is cool. So let's dig into the meat and bones. Um, okay. T- tell us about th- your project. You um, purchased the project a while ago in Washington, yeah. D.C. The project immediately needed some repairs. Um, just give us a brief background on why you did this project. Just kind of take us a little bit from point A and kind of as we, you know, move to point Z, but c- kind of give us the foundation of what was going on with your project. Okay. Um, well, the uh, the reason why I wanted to buy a house was I was taught that um, having uh, property is a way in which you can build uh, wealth, generational wealth. Gotcha. And um, uh, my father really inspired me. Um, when I was in my early 20s, unfortunately, I wasn't able to move uh, to purchase anything. But um, finally, um, in my early 30s, I was able to uh, purchase two houses. Um, my original intent was one house just to move in and just kind of go from there. But I was lucky enough to get a, firstly, I bought a rental property. Uh, my intentions was not to move in. There was already a person within the, uh, the property. So I just wanted to continue with that and, um, allow that to be some level of income. Mm-hmm. And then I was able to kind of go from there and buy another house. And I wanted to stay in D.C. Um, I'm D.C. raised, so it was important for me to stay here. Mm-hmm. And um, during that time, that was like um, early 2000s, like 2003, 2004. And that's when um, a lot of the shift um, accelerated as far as gentrifying and, you know, property, housing and costs just kind of skyrocketed. Mm, so, I see. Yeah. So you said so, 2000, mm-hmm. 2003, where it was the beginning of the shift. So I, I would say about 2001 was the shift, but like 2003, 2004, I was riding the storm. I see. I see. Yeah, because I'm trying to think, because um, we're, we're in particular, and I'll educate the audience, um, mm-hmm. Washington, D.C. is is divided into four sectors. Um yeah. Some some areas are known as I don't want to um, necessarily disperse labels, but known as more affluent than other you know areas. Um, what areas did two homes? So I think the home that I visited the one time um, mm-hmm. where I, I I dropped off Leah, what that was in Northwest. What, what well tell us where your properties are. Okay, my my properties are in Southeast. In mm-hmm. the historic district of Anacostia. Okay. So that's um this working class um area. Mm-hmm. It's quickly changing now. Mm-hmm. But um when I grew up here it was working class. Okay, so that's that's where a lot of opportunity is, is like you said, because um Washington DC is undergoing a quote unquote renaissance. People are moving back to the right. city and that's being shown or seen across the country. Persons moving back to the city. And um, now property values are starting to skyrocket and you were right at the cusp of when that was going to start, um, start when that was starting yeah. to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and I, I, you know, go I, ahead. I have, I've seen it all. I've been around people. Um, I don't know if you experienced this, but, you know, again, my father was telling me, hey, man, try to get a house as quickly as possible. 
Mm-hmm. And when I just started getting my feet wet and getting grounded, I was looking for houses and whoever was around me, um, whether it was friends or somebody who I was dating, I would, I would tell them, hey, you know, this is what I'm trying to do. And several times, people who were around me took advantage of that and they bought houses just before the market exploded. So I remember, you know, in Northwest, which is considered um, lower middle class, upper middle class, mm-hmm. at least two to three people around me were buying houses from 150 grand to 120 grand. And when I was ready, just like, you know, maybe two or three years later, the houses were 450 and on up. Ooh, yeah. So it was mm. a dramatic, you know, mm-hmm. shit. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know, it almost brings, um, you know, I wish we all wish we had crystal balls and not not to not to get into this too deep. But um, I graduated um, from Howard University in 1995 from the School of Architecture. And I remember right. in 1993, the U Street Corridor, you couldn't give a house away right. back then. Mm-hmm. I mean, you couldn't give a house away. And now homes there are going for a million dollars plus. Um, so yeah, I understand, um, fully what you're, you're talking about. Um, so the house that you decided to do your project, um, give us a, tell us what you were trying to do. Tell give us a brief summary of the, uh, you know, scope of work. It's kind of your budget. What were were you looking to do? Okay. Well, firstly, um, although I knew I wanted a house, I had no idea about renovating or, remodeling a property at all. Mm-hmm. I had no concept of design. Um, so I really went into the situation uneducated and without any sort of insight. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, it took me a couple of years to start my first so-called uh, renovation. Okay. <laughs> but uh, the house is, is pretty old. It's... Um, I think it was built in 1902. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it had all of the issues that a lot of um, city row houses have mm-hmm. um, with plaster and um, what is the uh, cancers? Oh, yeah. Asbestos? Asbestos. Probably lead. Uh, Probably had some lead issues lead, as well. Yeah, lead-based. Mm. Um, uh, issues with old pipes. Um, thank goodness they still had uh, copper pipes here. Mm-hmm. Um, and the house is also, I guess the, the words used, settling when the house moves. Yes. And, it, and shifts. Mm-hmm. So the house is settling. And, um, uh, the bricks needed to be repointed. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, all those things are happening and I had no clue <laughs> even what that was. Sure. Sure. You know, um, so the first renovation was like clearing the main floor. It was separated into three rooms. And so making it like an open space like they have, mm-hmm. know, most houses have now. Mm-hmm. And um, expanding the main bathroom um, and then creating, a, a, I guess, a half bathroom is what you would call it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just and, the, um, um, I guess, yeah, the, the so, toilet slash water closet in the sink. Half yeah. bath. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a very small budget. Uh, I think I was working with like, man, maybe 40 grand. Okay. But this, that's and, nothing, uh, to, that's nothing mm-hmm. to sneeze at. I mean, $40,000 is real, real money. 
<laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, part of it was, you know, just knocking stuff out. And then, you know, also, since I had no idea about what was needed or what direction I was going, I think that allowed the uh, contractor to sort of kind of take advantage. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So okay. I, I didn't know, you know. Sure, and, sure. And I was a little... Uh, um, I needed help. I definitely needed a lot of help. And I had... I didn't really know who to ask and who to turn to. Mm-hmm. And so I just said, okay, you know, this is just going to be an experience. Um, and I moved forward. And so I did most of like, I guess the, the cleanup and the knocking down the walls and stuff like that. Okay. Yep. You answered and one of my little, questions. So you did some of that mm-hmm. work, the de- you did some of the demolition work yourself. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. Now, let me ask you this. Um, this is a secret, not a secret. A lot of people don't anticipate this. Where did you dispose your trash after you did your demolition? Did you have a pickup truck or how did you work that out? Did you have a dumpster del- delivered to the site? Well, part part of it was the contractor was there, so they helped uh, dispose of that. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because mm-hmm. a lot of, I, I'm just putting this tidbit in for the audience a lot of people want to do demolition themselves, but don't realize right. sometimes in the older homes, there may be some um, hazardous material that they did not um, take into account. And then they find right. it difficult to actually dump the material um, because it does have hazardous material. Um, some of the old school tile is as best yeah. as containing. Um, normally it's like nine inches by nine inches. That's one of those key identifiers. But then you have lead, um, and to get a little technical with the audience, they have something called mm-hmm. a T-clip test where okay. you're allowed to dispose of lead, but it can only be in a certain amount that the, 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 the trash at large or your disposal contents at large have to be in a ratio so much more than the actual lead contents. So you get into all this other stuff, chain of custody, if you have hazardous materials. So I want everybody to know that demolition, though it may look simple, in particular on TV, those are one of the things that they don't tell you on TV or on on DIY or HGTV, that demolition material is not necessarily an easy thing to dispose of. So something to be cautious of, especially in older homes. But I interrupt you. Go ahead, please. Go ahead, please. That's cool. I think (laughs) think those shows, just like any other, um, you know, TV show, it just really it really doesn't provide any insight about what issues may come to, especially <laughs> if you're like starting from zero. Sure, sure. It may create excitement, but as far as the hard work, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So, so interesting. So, I, I'm, I'm, these are kind of leading questions because I'm kind of hearing the answers, but I'll confirm. So, you weren't mm-hmm. working with a designer; you went directly to a, um, a a contractor to help you get your goal accomplished. Correct? Yeah, yeah. Yep. I had a friend who's um, that's uh, he he has a business. Uh, he had a business of buying homes and and renovating, and uh, he recommended uh, this contractor. Gotcha. And, uh, so it was basically. Um, I would sort of follow his suggestion. He said, hey, you know, I did a house like this. It looked like this. It, it may look well if we do this. And I'm like, cool. Mm, <laughs> sure, sure. Because <laughs> like, I had no idea. Sure, sure, and, sure. Uh, so, um, yeah, that, that was my process. 
Sure. Okay. Yeah. No, nah, no, nah, I hear you, man. It's, it's, um, it, it's, it's what's out there. You know, people are looking for guidance and that was your right. guide and, and that was the advice. Hey, it's, it was better than no advice. Um, so, um, so I hear you loud and clear. So you spoke about the contractor taking advantage of you. Describe some of the instant instances, because I'm sure, um, not to put words in your mouth, but being in the business for 20 plus years, I'm sure questions came up. And every right. time the contractor received an answer to that question, they wanted to charge you more money. Was that almost how the scenario went? Yeah, um, there was a scenario with the basement where there was um, some moisture. And mm. so the contractor said, hey, you know, the, the, the foundation is basically moist and it's saturated and it's coming through. And you'll find, you know, these issues that you have. Because I had mold in the basement. Mm. Very serious. Mm-hmm. And so um, he suggested putting in the sump pump and et cetera. And later I, I found out it wasn't the issue. That wasn't an issue at all. The mm. issue was, it was uh, I didn't have uh, central air. Uh. Yeah. And so <clears throat> since it's an old house with brick, and of course, brick breathes or houses breathe, then without any stable temperature, then you're going to have issues with moisture and basement issues and et cetera. Gotcha. And, um, that's what I was told. I mean, you, you probably know you you know better. You're, no, that's what, you're right. Yeah. Um, air needs to move, um, mm-hmm. return as well as a supply and return is important when designing an HVAC system. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and to that point, older homes, um, Based on how they were built, they kind of breathed themselves, meaning you didn't have the good insulation. You didn't necessarily have the good windows, but right. but that actually helped the home breathe. Um, yes. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so that's a that's an issue that we will talk about in the build it coach later that some people are making their homes too tight. And I think the le- one of the lessons, not the lesson, but one of the lessons here um, that I want to caution everybody Getting your project done is not the simple formula which you see out there, which is go on your your Angie's list. I'm gonna put that out there. Angie's Angie's list or another site where you just pick a contractor mm-hmm. and you start building. There are some pre-construction things, i.e., working with a designer to some capacity, whether it be an architect or a designer, someone who can help you develop a good game plan before even diving into construction. And I'm saying all to say, I'm saying all that to say you didn't know, you were just trying your best. But um, you know, obviously crystal ball always being, you know, the best, you know, past tense device we can have. Um, you know, our, our experience that the audience should really take heed to that. Um Get a plan. Get someone to help you create a game plan. Um, someone who is knowledgeable in regards to working with your particular project, so that this type of stuff doesn't happen. So you paid for obviously something that didn't necessarily solve your problem. Right, right. Mm. And I think I think you you hit it on the nail. It's like a game plan, and everything you need some level of, of you know where you're going, how to get there. Um, 
you know, I came up where, uh, I don't know if you experienced this, but most of my relatives, my parents, we, from what I've heard from them is it's finding someone to deal with a specific issue in the house. Mm-hmm. You know, the so-called jack leg guy, you know, you don't really have that much money. So mm-hmm. you find that person <laughs> that can like, you know, patch it up. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, um, that is, uh, not a good plan. No, I, I hear, you, you know, and I'm, I hate you not, I don't hate to say it, but I will say it. I'm a victim of that myself. And I think some of that is a symptom of sometimes going into our projects skinny on the finances. Yes. And um, we sometimes will begin to cut corners, not because we want to, we just don't have the finances. I was a victim of that when I had my investment property in Baltimore and mm-hmm. I was, you know, kind of forced to deal with Keith and Keith was, Keith was the homie, you know, right. that, you know, he could get th- things done, but you got to deal with all the, homie stuff that comes with Keith, you know, (laughs) like, man, you didn't show up today. And then Keith disappears for, you know, two weeks. Um, And uh, what are you going to do? You don't have necessarily the money to go hire a professional contractor that's bonded, et cetera. And the the decision should have been maybe to wait or at least just do a portion of the project that I can actually pay for professional um, services for, as opposed to doing the homie discount. Um, yeah. So, so I, I, man, I, I, I hear you, man. We've, we've been there and uh, I'm sure a lot of people in the audience have, have been there. Question about mm-hmm. your contractor. Did, did he, were they able to get permits? And if they did, how did they get their permits? Did they have a sketch a drawing? How do they go about um, doing, you know, quote unquote, legal work? Uh, well, to be honest, um, this contractor, uh, he had two um, contracts. Mm-hmm. one for legal and one for, hey, you know, I'm just going to close the window and we're going to do what we're going to do. Sure, sure, sure. So, you know, sure. I did the sec- the latter. Sure. No, no. I, I mean, that's that's where some people are financially. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. And, um, hey, sometimes, you know, people have to do what they have to do. And, and I hear what was pushing you too, right? Your father's mm-hmm. advice in regards to getting that home, getting your foot in the door, joining the the revolution, joining the revolution of everybody else who's buying homes. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now that you have the home, what do you, what do you do with it? And um, no, it's definitely a challenge. It it is definitely a challenge. Um, So again, so you, you talked about the downstairs. Was there any work um, being done upstairs? Um, Well, uh, the, the main things were, um, to to uh, repoint the brick and mm-hmm. seal the brick because I exposed uh, one part of the wall, and then the original bathroom is very small. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know the area, but um, there was a closet next to the bathroom, so you knock the closet out and expanded the bathroom. So, got you. So yeah, and then everything pretty much stayed the same. Got you. So when you're going through, so it seems that you had different phases or different parts. How long did the project um, take to totally complete to when you were satisfied with it? Was it, was it multiple years? Uh, Yeah, I would say two phases. The initial was basically knocking out the old 
stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I had taken some time off. Um, of course, ran out of money. Sure. And uh, so I was trying to find a way to um, uh, uh, I was I was comfortable in holding on to this property, but maybe finding a way to use it to make some money. So um, I decided to move out and rent the entire house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and during that time, I had a, a mentor who needed some some support. So uh, I, I uh, let my mentor stay in the house, and then I did some other things to try to rent. Uh, some rooms in the house. Um, and that was quite an experience, something I would never do again. You know, it was, it was a trying time, you know, thank goodness I made it through. Mm-hmm. And um, so after I got out of that situation, then I began to like, move towards um, planning the second phase of innovations. And so that took me um, maybe six years to kind of get straight with that. And um, I was able to uh, secure some money, Mm -hmm. save and secure money, and, um, uh, you know, offering... uh, our friends, Anthony and Nadine, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. had a contractor that they worked with and they suggested. So I just um, rolled with that, man. I, I just. That's good. Know. That's good. Yeah. So they mm-hmm. so that, that contractor took you across the finish line. Yes. Oh, and, and yes. you know, a funny. Well, you know, I still have some more things to do, mm-hmm. but we're here. We're comfortable. That's good. I'm happy. Yeah, that that's good. And the ironic part, um, Anthony and Nadine, mm-hmm. you you were the benefit of their second contractor because they had to fire their first contractor to find this contractor <laughs> that they, you know, um, right. <laughs> um, they they gave you word to. So that that is oh man, it is it's funny how all this whole thing goes round and round and round. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's that's good information. So you did interior, exterior work, had a break, then found a good contractor to take you across the finish line. Like so, on the second phase, I'll, I'll use that in quotes. Phase. There's, there's something else that just came to mind that mm-hmm. uh, I was able to take advantage of. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness. Uh, DC has uh, what is called a homestead act. Okay. And uh, my house is in a historic district, historic district of Anacostia. So in between, like the first renovation and the last one um i was able to apply for a grant and this grant was used to um use for the exterior of historic houses Mm. so i was able to get new windows um exterior paint um repoint the brick uh for the stairs and exterior doors um so that was that was also a nice um it was very very nice benefit oh man kudos Mm -hmm. kudos to the district of columbia because you know interesting interestingly right um Mm -hmm. um it's that grant is probably funded by the taxpayers but at the end of the at the end of the day 
it will pay for itself, right? Because if, if everyone's exteriors look good, that's going to raise up the values, raise up the tax base. So it ends up paying for itself. I mean, that's a fantastic um, um, plan that the district or whomever has financed that. That's a that's a great program, especially for the exterior of homes. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that we could see more of that in other communities across the country. That's good. That's fan, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Thanks for um, thanks for giving us that tidbit. So, yeah. So the steps, the exterior. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's um. so I get yeah, the, the question I wanted to back up to um, your contractor in the second phase. Did they have a plan to go with or was it was it a walk and talk scope of work as well? Um, did you so I guess I can say, did mm-hmm. you ever did you ever formally write up a scope of work? Was that ever a yes. formal? OK. And was yes, that in phase one and a, two? I was very clear on what I wanted. OK. Of course, you know, things come up. Sure. Um, but uh, uh, I learned from my first experience. Mm-hmm. So I was very direct and clear. This is what I want. This is what I need. You know, mm-hmm. um, uh, he's pretty, really, really good contractor. Very trustworthy. Trustworthy. Good, um, you know, I'm thankful to uh, Nadine and Anthony for that. It was really a blessing for mm-hmm. to meet that uh, contractor. Oh, that's fantastic. How did your contractors do in regards to respecting time? If they said that something was going to take X time, did they deliver? Did they go over all the time? Did they ever come under? Like, you know. Oh, I, there was not a time where the contractor went over time. In mm-hmm. fact, I was the one that would probably hold up time and, you know, deciding, okay, I would like this particular, you know, finish or this thing. But the contractor was really, you know, uh, very um, consistent with completing tasks at a specific time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. Let me ask you this. this is kind of a, a, a background thing. How did mm-hmm. you verify, how did you pick materials and how did you verify that those materials were the ones that you indeed picked? And this is where I'm coming from. I've been on jobs. I've been on jobs where um, we've specified um, a certain thickness of drywall, let's say quarter inch, quarter inch drywall. Mm -hmm. I go out to the job site and I'm noticing that there's eighth inch thick drywall. I'm Uh, like, Oh, what's going on here, sir? Yeah. um, And not necessarily that the contractor was trying to be crooked, but mm-hmm. um, the word in regards to what was supposed to be supplied for the job didn't get down to the workers and they would pick up the wrong material. Now, I will say there there have been some times where the contractor was deliberately trying to, you know, shave some money on, you know, the materials. Mm-hmm. But did you did you encounter any of that on your project at all? Um, I, I didn't. Because I purchased all of the materials with the with the contractor, there wasn't gotcha. a, a time where I just you know um, gave the contractor money and just a, he just helped was allowed to buy a certain thing. Okay, so that that be since I was there. Great. Now here's the deal: I don't have a knowledge of those details or a lot of things in, in, with construction materials. So mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. There, there is a possibility that there are um, things in this house that are not um, appropriate. Right. Mm-hmm. No, I got you. Um, 
Did so that so I've experienced uh, this, and I'll tell you why I'm asking this question. Did you mm-hmm. experience the um, material blame game? So I have worked on projects and actually worked for companies who right. want to save money by buying the materials. Right. Then the contractor installs the materials. And then what happens, the contractor blames the materials on the workmanship uh. saying, and I, so clear example for the audience. Um, I remember there was a job, it was a personal job where I purchased the drywall, the primer, and the taping materials for the joints of the drywall. You know, drywall comes in sections and then yeah. the, mm-hmm. the finisher, you know, finishes the sections. When the painter went in to paint, the painter blamed the drywall or why his paint job was inferior. And I said, what? So, but unfortunately I had to entertain, I had to entertain it. Now I proved him wrong eventually, but he was saying that it was secreting some type of moisture into the drywall that I purchased was defective and all this other nonsense. Uh Um, That was one of the instances where I said, if possible, I will let that person be in charge of the entire process, meaning the best world would be for the guy who's doing the painting or the guy for that fact, gal doing the painting, purchase the drywall, the primer and everything. So they're responsible for everything. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I I don't know. Did you, did you experience that? For instance, you buy a toilet, then the plumber says, Hey man, your toilet doesn't fit firmly on the wall. I mean, I should say on the floor. Did you experience any of that? I haven't, I haven't experienced any of that. That's great. That's good. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. That is fantastic. Well, any other thing you want to add? Um, man, this was informative, um, very informative, just hearing about people's experiences, some of the pitfalls that they should avoid, um, you know, as they, as they listen to the body of work at the Build a Coach, they'll be able to piece things together. But um, any other tidbits you want to give us before we conclude? Well, I mean, I want to give you a shout out because you – Introduced me to Mr. Williams, who installed the, uh, the AC in the house. Yes. Yeah. So you're part of this too. Oh, thank. Oh, thank so you. Thank you. I appreciate you. that. Yep. Mr. Williams was a um, man. He he was a contractor who did two of my projects. I definitely mm-hmm. knew he was going to he was going to deliver for you. Um, so that that's great. I'm glad that worked out. Um, I'm glad that worked out for you. At least I was a, 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 a one of the strong links in the in the chain of things that you had to deal with. So that's great. Right. Right. <laughs> that's great, man. That's great. Well, Chris, man, thank you so much for sharing um, your experience. I, I know it's probably um, not wanting to go back in the past of dealing mm-hmm. with hardships because I know sometimes I think in the past I'm like, man, I don't even want to think about this. I I, I just want to move forward. But, right. um, yeah. <laughs> but no, th- yeah, th- thank, thank you so much um, um, for sharing um, your experience with us, experiences with us. And um, hopefully the audience, um, you know, got, got to learn a lot from you. Thank you. Oh, I appreciate it. It's uh, no problem. Man. All right. Thanks. Have a great day. All right. There you have it. This episode is a wrap. Great episode. Thanks again, Chris, for sharing your story and your experiences. Key takeaways. Don't rely on your contractor to make all corrective decisions. We saw that that decision to rectify the mold situation basically lined the contractor's pockets, but did not solve the problem that he had with his basement. Takeaway number two. 
Understand your area where you're doing work. There may be some financial assistance. Many of us are out there doing projects, running out of money. There may be some money available for you to take your project across the finish line. Number three, which is big, utilize your network. All right, utilize your network to find good designers or good contractors or good people to assist you with your project. Utilize your network. Okay, feel good about yourself. You took the time to learn. Acting on this information gives you a fighting chance against project chaos, money loss, continuous stress, or greedy, unethical contractors. If you know someone who needs help, invite them to listen. Let's look out for one another and build a strong community of property owners and investors who deserve a dream renovation or remodeling project. Make sure you subscribe to Build a Coach on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite place to listen to podcasts. For more details, visit buildacoach.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, may your dream project become a reality. Please understand that every construction project is unique. Therefore, the lessons, teachings, and principles expressed in this podcast need to be tailored to your individual project. Any advice or information expressed in this podcast is intended to inform, educate, and teach. All advice and information is based on experience, research, and opinion.